Welcome in, class. Welcome in. Welcome back to another session at the Umbrella Pond Academy. I'm your teacher, Alex. <laughs> and I'm the kid at the back of the, back of the class who doesn't give a shit about anything. I'll tell you what, it's just sushi and death back here, which are two of my least favorite things. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 7, Off Vitosain. Off Vitosain! Off Vitosain! Off Vitosain. Before we even get into it, Pete, you already have a question. What's going on? That's not how that's spelled, is it really? It's with a W and you say with an F? Yeah, man. You got to go to Germany. You got to check it out. Uh, Cool place. Yeah, dude. You got to go to Germany in 1989. What a party. I did go to Berlin for the Berlin Film Festival once. Had a lovely time for the first day. And then uh, after a movie premiere, which was very exciting, I had a snack of some mac and cheese with schnitzel on it from a cart, which was very good. And They call that the American, I believe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I was (laughs) deathly ill for the next two days and couldn't leave my hotel room. So good times. They also call that the American. (laughs) But there you go. We are going to be talking about this episode. So if you haven't seen it on Netflix, do check it out because we're going to spoil it. But everybody is dealing with the death of Harlan confirmed in this episode. Allison straight up killed him and everybody's frustrated about that. But finally, the two families... Like the two families are coming together <laughs> to work on this whole Kugelblitz problem for the first time. Very briefly, they solve it and then they wreck it again. Oopsie daisy. We got you got to be careful who you're cheersing. You can't just go around mm-hmm. cheersing anybody, especially someone who's holding in a Kugelblitz. <laughs> when you have a full bottle champagne celebration in the middle of an episode of television, you're fucked. Let's yeah. just be straight yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, t- I haven't I'll been to a ton of parties yeah. where everyone gets a full bottle of champagne, but those are fun parties every time. I'll tell you, after that movie premiere that I was referencing, somebody cheers me. I was trying to hold it a Kugel Blitz, and it all went wrong from there. Yeah, exactly. And I know exactly what you mean by Kugel Blitz. Mm-hmm. I also know what it means to be somewhere and have a film premiering and feel special. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. my film. It was Wes Anderson. Oh, Ah, yeah. oh, interesting. Yeah, there you yeah go. they call his nickname for you is Diarrhea Blitz, right? <laughs> <laughs> they call you well, D-Boy? Well, why don't we get into the episode? I just wanted to call out D-Boy. here <laughs> how, what, based on everything that we've been talking about for the past couple of episodes, what a relief it was to see everybody actually taking steps forward and Luther and Sloan being like, Enough already. Everybody get together. I don't know if Allison took any steps forward, guys. Sure, but enough Take people it easy did. with that there. Even if they, in classic Umbrella Sparrow fashion, messed it up at the end, the fact that they were doing something was just, I breathed a sigh of relief watching what? the episode. I breathe a sigh of belief at the piece of shit father finally not being a piece of shit, this other version of him and Klaus together. It's magical and it is, uh, it's nice to see. It feels good. Don't be fooled by the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. I think Hargreaves has another uh, turn to turn. Oh, and no, I don't know don't. if he's. Too too nice, too much. I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. And he is definitely a different Hargreaves and a much more capable, like his speech where he was saying um, that uh, I made you feel small so I could control you. It was, uh, that felt very true and a refreshing bit of honesty there. I mean, he's saying it must be the money. How bad could he be? 
Well, but what, yeah, I mean, that's that was fun. He does seem a little, but I think he was excited because he was, gets to run an experiment on one of the more interesting power sets in his uh, children, of his children. I, I will say to this point, there's a moment, I think, in the graveyard late on in that storyline. And just oh a my quick god, reminder, that speech hold, was hold on, hold on, you're jumping all over the place as usual, yeah, for. Anybody who hasn't checked it out, so Klaus is was killed last episode by Hargreaves. Turns out he's just training him to come back from death. By the end of the episode, he trains him how to banish ghosts. Uh, so that's the overall arch of the storyline. Uh, there is a moment per what Justin is saying towards the end, and I, I think it's in the graveyard scene, when... Klaus asks him some question in the middle of all this, and he's like, hey, what about that? And Reginald's like, don't worry about that right now. Let's focus on this other thing instead, where I was like, all right, buddy, you got you got something else going on here. But uh, just in terms of the span of the episode, like Pete is saying, it's great. It's a different Klaus. It's Klaus a different has Reginald. wanted this his whole life, just to know why his father did these things to not have his father be a dick to him. And he finally gets it. And after all this time, I'm, I'm enjoying it with them. It is so nice to Klaus finally get a W here and uh, a grow, or at least learn about his powers and become better at it. I mean, that like ghost move at the end was bananas, but uh, this, at least there's a nice little Klaus bubble where it's not, Raining, you know what I mean? He's under the umbrella. He's under the umbrella with his banana ghost move. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say is, I do. And by think the way, it just to frame it up, this is us talking about the Luther Sloan, everybody saving each other storyline. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, that's yeah. what you were uh, you set up, and we naturally followed through. Yes, uh, thanks, like, Pete. Uh, I I follow directions well. <laughs> Uh, but I, what I, while we're talking about it, I was going to say it is great for Klaus to have control of his powers and really understand himself. Like he really was just like hanging out with Ben was his powers for a long time, the ghost yeah. of Ben. And now he he realizes that he can resurrect himself and also banish ghosts. But I think Hargreaves was specifically he- highlighting these skills because he is going to use him for something. And I would argue it involves going into the Hotel Oblivion, a side plot that feels very important even though we haven't touched on it yet. Well, I would I would just like to say, you're saying banishes the ghost, but you don't know. It seemed like he sucked them into him uh, and started glowing afterwards. So I don't ghost know. Ghost sucker? Yeah. Is like a chupacabra? Is a chupacabra for ghosts? Uh, I just think that you're, you're quick to camera? label this. We don't know what the heck's going on. Like, there mm-hmm. were ghosts one minute. I, now I, they're I'm going to just take glowing. a long stab here and say Pete thinks this is some sort of Ghostbuster situation where Klaus is a living ghost container, right? That's right. But to bring the two threads we're talking about together, maybe he has to contain the ghost because Bustin makes him feel good. And then mm. he's going to take them and shove them into whatever the machine is that they put all the ghosts in in the first Ghostbusters that the EPA guy destroys. Yeah, the yeah, containment the unit. Containment unit. Containment yeah. unit. There you go. So maybe he's going to take those ghosts and he's going to barf them through the door in the Buffalo room, and that's where they're going to go. And then the EPA guy is going to be, I don't know, the bellhop at the hotel or something like that. He's, he's going like, to be talking about Twinkies, probably. In here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Ghost yeah. barfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, I mean, just to sort of keep gaming them out, is there any man on this show currently who has no dick? Pete? 
<laughs> that's a that, that's a great. Well, we're on this podcast, Diego lost a couple of fingers, but uh, not mm. the same thing. Fingers and are let the me dicks just say, that's that's, that's true. I read your senior thesis. Sorry, from was Cornell. that what you were going to say, Justin? Did I just? Did yeah, I you really took my uh, yeah. my life. Took the dicks out of your mouth. Oh, no, oof, what I was going to say really is that's a quote from Ghostbusters, not a weird thing that Alex <laughs> randomly said. Not just absolute nonsense on top of it. In some sort of nonsense Kugelblitz that is happening, clearly, in a Pete and Alex Thank you for clarifying. So so far, this podcast has been very coherent over the first eight minutes, and I really threw us for a loop. I think we've covered things pretty well from the Klaus thing, and let's just say... Signing off from the podcast. I know. How about we do this? We covered Klaus, but let's jump back to the beginning because we get this sort of uh, cold open scene. Uh, two of them, really. Um, uh, focus on Lila, a character who I've been pleasantly surprised is a main part of the Umbrella Academy. I, that is an interesting plot line because what's happening with Faye is really fascinating as well. No, 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 no. I, I can't no. do it as well as Pete. Because <laughs> uh, you're not shouting as much, and I also know that no, you don't it mean makes it. Me and physic- you like to talk about stuff I in know, order. I know, it makes me physically uncomfortable to do that. I felt terrible just now. Uh, yeah, the line the storyline is really interesting. I love digging into her character here. I love the revelations that we're getting about Stan and the surprising revelation at the end of the episode that not only is she pregnant, but she wants to have a family with Diego. I don't know if it 100% explains all of her moves with Stan, but it certainly emotionally puts a thread out there in a very Umbrella Academy way, which these are people that are thrashing wildly with their emotions, their plot lines, and everything that they're doing all the time. Um, So it does bring it together very nicely. I mean, it was nice to see Herblet at the beginning there. I mean, it was uh, was an interesting and cool way to start. The show is so creative. You really don't know what's happening. It's It's really impressive. Well, yeah, and they have the whole palette of, of the time stream to jump through. We start in 1953, go to 1989. Um, as you it, would. Uh, as you would. And I think it is a good way, in a fucked up way, to audition the idea that you're going to have a kid with someone by um, sort of stealing a kid. and just But that's kind of to- hilarious Lila move, you know. And also, like, Lila has a sick drum solo in this episode. I mean, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say, though, is like, sure, we've I have two children and we auditioned um, uh, having kids with by uh, just having a 10 year old live at our house for a while. And until then, he blew up. Yeah. But he, blew up. Again? he just sort of vanished, leaving a Slurpee, which we still have on our mantle to this day. Uh-huh. Um, I also like to on the drum solo like that was awesome. And the fact that this show can take the time to have these cool little probably unnecessary moments just to show that she's. Punk as fuck, I guess, is what we're doing here. Well, it's well, nice that she took some time to live. Like, she's jumping through all these timelines, but she kind of, you know, was like, you know what? I am going to, after I get this briefcase, which was a smart move, uh, I'm going to, yeah, just join this band real quick and punk out for a little while. You know what I, I mean? I thought, uh, I know you guys are being a little glib, but I thought that was one of the most emotional moments in the episode, just how they yeah. slowed that down, changed the music. That's clearly her 
working out all this pent-up rage that she has towards her mom, the feelings that she doesn't have resolved with Diego, with her life, with how it's God, with everything. And ultimately, I think that moment is the one where she really focuses up and realizes what I want back is Diego. I want Diego. I don't know how to say that out loud. She obviously, in the first six episodes, goes about it entirely in the incorrect way. But to me, that's where she makes that decision or doesn't realize it you know, but has made that decision mentally and then follows through on it physically. And it it was, it was great. It was nice sort of emotional uh, parentheses for her her character at the beginning of this episode and at the end when she's talking to Diego and and sort of comes clean. The only thing though about all this is this show's theme for all three seasons is people don't change for the better very well. They change for the worse. And if they are going to change for the better, it's because they are working together in some sort of family unit to make each other better. Um, so and I, and I think we see that play out in this episode specifically in a bunch of different ways, but it does make me a little bit worried if Lila truly has changed. I mm-hmm. feel like this episode tells us that, but this also episode also tries to tell us that Hargreaves has changed when I don't think he has changed for the better. He's an alien who doesn't care and is running experiments on human children on earth. I think, or that's what we are maybe led to believe. So I'm curious how it's going to play. Can can I ask a question just sort of off of this in terms of the idea of people changing and whether they can change? We've been talking a lot about Allison, particularly since episode five, which you crossed the line with Luther. We do get a touch on that a little bit in the episode, but I do think the big question here as Lila's storyline ties into Allison's storyline, they have a conversation at the bar together, Lila very specifically tells her, hey, you had this this hook. You had this thing that you could hook into emotionally. You don't have that anymore. You have to find a new thing or you're going to wildly go out of control. I yeah. think it's arguable. Yeah, I think it's arguable that she's already gone wildly out of control and is off the rails here. But do you think, uh, throwing it out to both of you, do you think that Allison does have the capacity to change? Has she gone too far? Has she, like Five calls out to Victor later in the episode, gone off on her own and instead of being a superhero, become a supervillain? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, Victor smartly is just like, hey, listen, um, you know, I'm here for you. We can talk or whatever. But also, you step out of line, and I got my eye on you. I'm, I'm going to murder you myself. I mean, I took out a whole boardroom of people. I mean, his whole aunt speech was bananas. But I want to get back to your point. Like, You mean five, oh, not oh, Victor. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Lila doing a lot in this episode was great. Like, checking in with Allison and, like, that whole talk was really nice. I think it's it's interesting to, you know, you talk about somebody making a decision and growing. Lila kind of having that thing of, like, um, you know, I'm going to try this. I'm exploring this idea of family, talking to people, doing these things. So I was really kind of... You know, to to get back to it originally, you know, can Allison change? We're watching Lila change. You know what I mean? So, like, why couldn't this happen? I don't know if it it's ready yet because she seems like she's still drinking and and not really making smart decisions. But you'd like to hope somebody can uh, improve their life. Uh, but man, uh, it, was, it was still when she started talking. You know, to Victor, I was like, you know. 
you shouldn't you should shut the fuck up right now after what you did you uh, you know what i mean like yeah. the, it's not really uh you can't you got no feet to stand on to fucking come at victor like that well, but I think Allison knows what she's done wrong, and she is, you know, she's untethered. That's what the speech mm-hmm. with the conversation with Lila is all about. Like, she has a spin. She has no understanding where the ground is. I, I thought it was funny. I wonder if this was a response to Simone Biles talking about this thing. I feel like it was the first time I'd ever heard about this for gymnasts and figure skaters where – when you're in the middle of a, a move, uh, like a, a triple Lutz or something, or uh, on the uneven bars, yeah, um, and you just you lose touch with where you're spinning so fast, you lose touch with where the ground is. I love that metaphor. It's a terrifying thing that it's real for people who are doing these jobs. And I think it is where Allison is. So I do think she is capable of finding the ground again. She was so excited to be like, oh, someone brought up Harley. I killed him, by the way, in case case you're wondering about the person just drinking in the corner over here. Like like that. It's there's a lot going on there that, uh, you know, Lila's right. She's got to start dealing with her because she is spinning and it's uh, it's not good. Well, she needs her drums moment, right? Like she needs some way to get her rage out in the right way because now she's getting it out by killing Harlan, by taking it out on Victor, taking it out on everybody around her. And she doesn't have that thing like we were talking about in the first scene where it really seems like Lila realizes, oh, Diego, that's my thing that stops me from spinning. And just to drive into it a little further, the camera literally spins around Lila when she's doing that drums thing. So thematically, I think they did a really good job with all of that there. Again, I I don't know, just for me as a character, I think Emmy Raver Lampman is doing a phenomenal job here of getting the seething rage out through the character. But the stuff she... Allison has done is so unforgivable in my mind. Killing Harlan, whatever anybody in the show says, is crossing a line. He did not deserve that at all. And a lot of the other things she's done and the way that she is, particularly the Luther thing, I, I worry that they have broken this character in a way that, as a viewer, cannot be repaired to me. But it does seem like plot wise, they're trying to make steps there to repair her anyway. And it's interesting, like at the end of this season, like this show is, there's going to be more of this show, I would think. So I don't think it's, they're finding endpoints for these characters. And I don't think they're going to kill a character like Allison, but I think the speech that you referenced that five has, uh, you know what they call a superhero who doesn't listen, a villain, like maybe, maybe Allison becomes a villain going forward. uh, A supervillain who likes to be alone. Uh, or not work uh, on a team, likes to work yeah, alone. Doesn't, yeah. yeah, who goes alone. Uh, but I, I I, thought that was great. I think Five was dropping a lot of bombs in this episode. Yeah, he was. Um, in a good way. So maybe that's where Allison is headed, a uh, character that is becoming something different, which may be a villain. Did you think it was fucked up while Allison was like, you're just old and tired? You know what I mean? Like, come on, like Five's more than that. You know what I mean? Well, you can be old and tired and other stuff. Yeah, you could be three things. You could be more than one thing. That's absolutely fine. Uh, what should we talk about? Five at all? There's not a ton that's going on with him emotionally in this episode, other than the stuff that we've referenced. But like I, I think I mentioned at the beginning, I was trying to frame up, but I don't know what happened specifically there. Uh, five is really trying to push <laughs> everybody to come up with plans and do stuff, whether it's about what's going on in the Buffalo Room. Boom, boom in the Buffalo room or alternately over in the Kugel Blitz. And again, 
I love that they were making moves. I love the plan. I loved how technical it was. It feels very Umbrella Academy for everybody to do that. But very it felt fun so to superhero. See yeah. And, yeah. and like having the Umbrellas and the Sparrows come together, everyone sort of busting balls a little bit, but also coming together to do it. And that was the most like big capital S superhero movie or TV show that we've seen on this show. I, I mean, think. it was just, awesome. Ben just got a big uh, bowl of uh, cheese balls there and was ready to just... You know, enjoy the back and forth family banter. It was uh, it was fun ben, to see everybody in the room for sure. Uh, yeah, totally agree with that, Ben. Very fun this episode. He's still being a total dick nonstop yeah. all the time. But the cheese balls thing is funny. Him railing on everybody was funny. Definitely very harsh on Victor in that one scene in the bedroom where he was digging into him about yeah. like, oh, were you? Did you think people were chasing after you? Was that what you thought? Oh, I'm so sorry, oh. but. Well, but, on that, the, to- the yeah. tone on this show is so wild in these, like, super high stakes. And then every character is like, we got time to screw around a little bit, though, right? Let's make some jokes. <laughs> like, that is a, a, a strange and hard-to-execute tone. And I do think the show pulls it off. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think – so at the end of the episode or, uh, yeah, actually, like, almost the end of the episode, Ben and Faye are sitting down and Faye's like, we're going to kill them. Let's kill them after this, right? And Ben's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not doing that. I got another thing going on with Hargreaves. Right. Which What's is- going on there? What is your theory at this point? Well, that's- Project Oblivion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, whatever I mean, Project the- Oblivion is, we have Pogo who set that up. It's something to do with going through the – um, the cabinet and which not has ringing been a, the bell. Don't ring the bell. Don't ring the bell. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like the only sort of monster in there just has like a little knife on a chain. So it I'm doesn't curious. seem little. Yeah, but it doesn't. Also, doesn't seem this team just put a, a series of exploding black holes into a box for at least a little bit of time until an ill-timed uh, clank of a champagne flute. So I do think like you can't uh, just cheers. what's what's the danger. Through this uh, Hotel Oblivion Because I do think that's what Hargreaves is working toward It definitely feels like Two separate things going on at the same time You've got the stuff with the Kugelblitz You've got the stuff with the Hotel Oblivion They're not necessarily connecting yet So we'll have to see how they connect I also do want to give a shout out though I know we mentioned before Cutting from defeating the Kugelblitz Quote unquote To the party scene where they're doing uh, Another One Bites the Dust And everybody's dancing Very fun but I also loved the move of immediately after that, cutting to the rooftop with Luther sitting there and everybody's partying. But the world has already basically been destroyed at this yeah. point. Yeah, They're like the only ones alive. Cool. Uh, I, yeah, it's a weird celebration, but also great use of the song and fun. I mean, they do music scenes in this show so well. Every time I start to hear a little bit of music, I'm, I get excited about what's to come and they deliver. It was a lot of fun. Shortly lived, uh, but still a hilarious choice and kind of fun to see, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's where Allison and Victor, you know, storm off into their own. Well, I do want to throw out to you, Pete, as our resident rom-com expert. That's also the scene where Luther proposes to Sloan at the end of the world. You want to talk about emotional scenes. How'd you feel? Talk about emotional scenes. Fun the way it starts. He's like busted. Oh, look who color-coded your travel guide, added some things that I know that you like. I mean, that was just beautiful. She flips to the ring. You know, she loves his moon mission, has a moon rock saving for a special occasion, gets on his knee. I mean, that's just 
That's that's checks all the boxes there. That's fantastic rom com loving right there. I don't know what more you would want. Hundred percent. And the fact that it occurred during their celebration scene means that it's going to work out just as well as it's their be so plans. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with the Google Blitz, right? Like mm-hmm. they're because mm-hmm. that's what watching the scene. I was like, this is awesome. I love both of those characters. I love how much she was in command of the Google Blitz plan. I think they're a great match. I'm just worried the show doesn't let these characters be happy. And yeah. Well, also Lila kind of proposed. I mean, she was like, "Hey, I want you to be my family, and let's make a family." You know what I mean? Double wedding. Big. Yeah, no, that'd it's be gonna fun. happen. Um, especially if all the other characters keep getting um, blitzed. Before we say Wiedersehen to this podcast, though, well, any uh, how other does everybody moments, know German? Any other moments? Uh, Justin and I spent a semester there. All yeah. right. Uh, the Klaus I went to that film festival. Being murdered by cars over and over again and bouncing between cars was hysterical and so creative and fun and just like just catch the ball and it's just like oh my god it's dark but hilarious. Uh, I mean this you know this was a great Klaus episode. Um, yeah. Uh, agree. I like all the Klaus stuff. Um, the Hargreaves mystery, I think, will continue to unfold. The um, What do you guys think about the scene where Victor goes to Ben's room and sees the drawings of Jennifer? Mm. Um, and Jennifer was the the mission that killed Ben in the main timeline, right? Yeah. Right. So is does that mean that Ben is either interested in the Umbrella Ben, or is he maybe feeling reflections of that? Was that a... I think he probably thing? had something similar happen, just didn't die. So mm-hmm. I think almost the, died. So he kind of draws pictures of Jennifer. Well, I, I think the indication there to me is that good Ben that everybody keeps talking about is still in there somewhere. He's just his life yeah. has pushed him wrong being with the Sparrow Academy. And I think we get indications of that this episode, and we've been getting indications of that all along, that he acts like a jerk to everybody all the time. But at the same time, He's always pulling back from the killing blow. You know, he's not the guy who's going to be like, let's get those Umbrella Academy. We're going to kill them. We're going to take them down. He keeps holding back. And I think that is his innate goodness that hasn't changed. It was just tweaked and ruined by the rest of his life with Hargreaves. That's cool. Yeah, I like that theory. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about is uh, Robomom. Yeah, Robomom, uh, you know, sick gun closet. Goes with the flamethrower, and uh, yeah, I mean, she's going to protect her her god, you know, her Google mm-hmm. Blitz. So that was now, horrible. What did you think of her her lines? Day of vengeance was in my heart. My year of vengeance hath come. Uh, was her thing that she sang, and then when she gets um, she gets wrecked by five, she very scarily sings "Onward, Christian Soldiers." Is she just saying the Kugel Blitz is far from over and is uh, going to continue to wreak havoc? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. It seems like the way they've been playing out the storyline is like there's some sort of Cthulhu style monsters that are hiding in the Kugel Blitz and she's going to welcome out these eldritch gods or something like that. But also she's dead now, I guess. I, I don't know. I think snapped maybe- a robot's neck. I'm yeah, it doesn't trouble. work for robots. No, it work. Well, it's a fail I tried safe. to snap you... my laptop neck a lot, and it didn't do anything. Well, you 
I hope you broke your computer. You should be strong enough to at least snap it in two. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I, sh- I should be strong enough to snap my well, computer? Well, you were like, uh, you know, nothing happened. I was like, you can't. You've been uh, doing Pete's system, right? 30 days <laughs> to snap a laptop. I'll tell you what. It's an expensive training. Yeah, like, you're yeah. breaking laptops, iPads. You know when in karate where they break wooden blocks? Yeah. In Pete's training, we break iPads in half. It costs right. a couple grand a day. <laughs> Crazy, crazy system, Pete. But good for you. It works. It he works. hates That's Apple. Important. He used to work at the at the um, the bar, the uh, the fruit Apple. stand. I used to work yeah. at the fruit stand, as they say. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as any other things, uh, I don't know about the mom. I, I I don't know if it's just like it fried a robot brain, and she's just kind of now just cr- crazy. Uh, but, um, it's been tough to see her with the one eye and then, you know, just so detached from reality, uh, especially for D- Diego, which Lila, sorry about your robot mom was a funny opening line. I mean, that was just, uh, it was good stuff. Do you think we're going to get the people who've been blitzed back? We lose Faye and presumably Christopher from the Sparrows. Stanley, obviously. I mean, that's, yeah, if they go for a happy ending, that'd be nice. But I don't know if it's in the cards, man. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe everybody dies. The end. Mm. That's true for a lot of people. Yeah, that's true of life. Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about who got top marks in this episode? Justin, who got top marks? I got to give it up for five in this episode. I thought this was a great five episode continuing his uninterrupted um, stands as the person who seems to be paying attention the most. Mm-hmm. Um, some great observations. Uh, but Five is also sort of the um, mascot for not giving a shit about the inner emotional lives of the people that you that you presume to care about, uh, which is obviously the Umbrellas and par- potentially the Sparrows' great undoing. Um, so, mm-hmm. But still a great Five episode. And shout out to the bass player in um, the band, Lila's band, who... Um, always gets to go off with this, the woman. What about you, Pete? Who got top marks this episode? Well, I'm, I wanted to say Klaus, but I want to take that away from you. So I'll go with Lila. She had a great app. Uh, it was nice to see her, you know, uh, all powered up at the end, helping and uh, working with the family instead of against it this time around. It's a, it's a new Lila. It's exciting. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different this episode and go Klaus all day, er day. Great Klaus episode. Come Whatever on. happens I mean, eventually with Reginald down the road, if he's betraying them, if he's working the angles or whatever. Love the says, sequence. So fun. Love the catch in the middle of the road. Klaus was hilarious. And just Robert Sheehan acting like a tiny little child being like, yay, daddy's playing catch with me. Very fun. The Obi Wang, he calls him just hysterical. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's Great just stuff. killing it. If you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Umbrella Academy, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Podcademy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, off Wiedersehen, you schnitzels! <laughs> so, Pete, I just snapped this iPhone in half, and that, yeah, makes, yeah, that makes exactly. me strong? Yeah, it'll improve your hand-eye coordination. Do you call snapping apples snapples? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when you crack them open, you look under the lid, and it's a fun fact. <laughs>